The Green Suiters Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to support our show and be a part of our community growth, head over to patreon.com forward slash Green Suiters Podcast to find out how. Before getting into this episode, we'd like to thank Black Goat Woodworking for becoming our newest patron. Thank you so much for your support. Now, on to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 10 of the Green Suiters Podcast. Yet another community-driven episode. Every five episodes, Jason, Sedge, and I, we like to opine the community and let their questions drive the direction of the show as a celebration for all the love and support that we always get. And so this week, just like every week, I'm joined by Jason Bent from Bent's Woodworking. Hi. And Brian Sedgley from Sedge Tool. Hello. And I'm Ben Marshall from Ben Marshall Designs. And this week, we're not going to go into what we've been up to, what we've been doing. We want to dive straight into these questions. We've got like 20 questions that uh, we got submitted from our patrons and the community. And we want to dive right into them. If you want to have your question read on the air, if you want to have your question read on episode 15, which will be the next community episode, the very best way that you can do that is by becoming a patron. You go over to our website, www.patreon.com forward slash Green Suiters Podcast, and become a patron, submit your question, and it will get put at the very top of the key for every single community episode. If we don't get to your question, we, uh, we, we can assure you that we will get to your question on the next community episode, or it may find itself inserted into another episode as we see fit. But are you guys ready to get started into the community questions? Hoo-ha! Yes, and to be clear, we are not answering twenty questions tonight. <laughs> we just Ooh, have yeah. a stockpile, so <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's if it's if we can get to them, yeah. But I, I doubt that we will because that's that's quite a lot. All right. So the very first question comes from one of our patrons, Mike Donaldson, who asks, "I'm really interested in CNC, and also, what do you see as the next must-have tool that's on the horizon for the wood shop?" Jason, you're you're the only one here that has a. A true CNC, Sedge and I both have the Shaper, which is a handheld CNC. What are your thoughts on CNC? Do you think it's it's here to stay? Do you think it's going to become more popular in wood shops across the country or across the world? Uh, yeah, it's here to say it's going to become more popular. Um, I actually talked to Mike about this the other day, and in my opinion, it's the it's the one tool that can make make its money back faster than any other tool in your shop. I mean, it's just a reality. You find a couple of things that uh, you want to market and sell, and the machine can do it for you if you put in the time. So they're not going anywhere. They're only going to become more popular. Uh, they're only going to become bigger. They're only going to have more capabilities. Um, and I think we're past the point with CNC where everybody kind of has a weird hatred for them because they're, um, they're not real woodworking and all that stuff. It's just another tool in the shop. Everybody said the same thing about a track saw when it came out, a table saw, and you know, everything else, uh, when everything was done by hand. So it's just a, it's just a, a phase and the, the next tool will be, you know, something different. Did he ask a question on what the next logical thing for our shops would be? Yeah. And I, I think he was going into like, what's the next big thing because CNC's really started to become popular or at least in the home shop, like around 10 to 15 years ago, really 10 years ago, I think is when they first started to kind of come out. But um, you know, he was asking like, what's, what's the way forward. But before we get to that said, you're around whenever electricity was invented. So 
Right. What were people saying back then about oh. power tools and stuff like that? About CNCs? Yeah. Like, so Jason had said, you know, people said the same thing about track saws and, and you know, you're, you're in the tool. I mean, we're all in the tool industry, but you've seen it more closely than we have. Well, I can just say that in my shop in Fort Lauderdale, I was looking to get a CNC. And I got to remember, I think it was ShopBot I was looking at, the brand ShopBot. Uh, it's all about productivity and, and you know, <clears throat> I've worked on CNC's, very large ones. And in cabinetry, it is a huge time saver because you can cut out all your cab parts while you're working on something else. You know, yeah. but I've seen it come down in price. I think it's pricing as things progress and innovate it just comes down in price and i think that's what's happened and then all of a sudden i was out of the industry out of the cabinet business and i'm in a i think it was a rockla and i see this thing called a shack and i'm mm -hmm. like that's a small tabletop uh, cnc and the price on it i couldn't believe so i did a little more research in it and i was like blown away how the prices had come down yeah. So it's so affordable. Now I look in all these shops. I think of when I think of a small portable CNC, I think of Alma from um, Pink Soul Studios. She's she's a whiz on a CNC. It's amazing what mm -hmm. she does. And she's in, it's such a small footprint in her shop. So uh, I won't. I can't. I can't. I can't say this. Yeah. I won't be getting a CNC. But be who careful. knows? Who knows someday? It's about uh, footprint. That's why I chose a mm -hmm. shaper. You yeah, know? me too. Yeah, I, it stores in what? A Sys uh, 5, mm -hmm. uh, Sustainer 5, and it's super compact. What and if you had a I, 60 by 40 shop? And then I would have maybe a CNC? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a space thing, for sure. It's a, spa it's a space thing. Uh, but I've just seen, it's like, and you want to talk, you said some about uh, Festool and track saws. We were laughed at here in this country uh, for quite some time. And the next thing you know, everybody's got a track saw. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we invented that thing in the 50s, 60s, yeah. I should say, 1964. I think uh, the first track saw came out and uh, came to the States in uh, 2001, basically. Actually, 1997 with Tool Guide. And you know what? It was funny because the the tradesmen saw the value of it because it was a guided cut. And it, and it wasn't I had to make a jig for this and make a jig for that. I could just lay that down yeah. and I took the I took the tool to the wood. So yeah. what's next? Who knows? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's I've really seen hard to tell. In trades, I'll tell you, the thing that's really weird is robotics. I mean, have you seen the uh, video out there that went viral of the uh, the robot hanging uh, drywall? What? Yeah, no. yeah, it's a robot no that yeah, it's a robot that's hanging drywall. Like so, so like what, drilling it in and everything. Uh, what's uh, bringing it up, setting it up? Yep. Damn. So who, what's next? Yeah. You know, so that's, that's well, a it's tough that's a tough question. I, it is. I, I think that that you can look at. Um, if you look at what the big industry is doing, things things tend to, to trickle down to the to the lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like with CNCs, uh, I remember my uh, I, I had a shop teacher in high school, and uh, 
he was always talking about CNCs, but it was like this huge, massive machine, $200,000, you know, again, only, only in certain industries that the CNC exist. Sure. And I think back then it was mainly for milling metal parts, but we've seen how that has slowly trickled down. So to like, to answer his question, I think that you need to look at what is the big industry innovating in, you know, what is, you know, not necessarily what they're doing, but what is transforming their landscape and their production. Um, and, and, you know, and I, I kind of agree with you, Sedge, that it is robotics. You know, you look mm. at the automotive industry, <laughs> there are a lot of things that are automated. You look at Tesla's factory, like almost all of it is automated. You have mm. robots that are carrying things around. Even Amazon distribution centers have robots. Oh yeah. That will like lift up, move a whole pallet of boxes. And then it's, it's nuts. So I would say that other forms of automation are probably coming up next. However, it's not really mainstream. Like Jason, you said that you do think that CNCs are the future. And I'm, I think, okay, who is it the future for, you know, unless a, a CNC of some type ends up on the shelves of Lowe's, Home Depot, or other big box stores. I, I, I don't think that it's necessarily right now the future. I think that it's still a ways off because that's really where the market is. You know, we're, 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 we're still kind of bridging the gap between early adopters and mainstream. And um, I, was, I was just looking right here as you guys were talking, Ben. Uh, advantages of robots in construction, drywall installer. <laughs> It's a Mayfair Homes. It's really, it's really cool. It's just unbelievable. And that thing. Do you know how it, much it costs? No, I don't. But it's about, crazy. About, about ten thousand jobs. <laughs> That's how much it costs. What I Great see. Point. Great point. What I see happening is, when I mean it's, it's the future. Look at the Domino. When it yep. first came out, everyone's like, "Ugh, gross, Domino." Now, if you don't use one, they're like, "Why aren't you using a Domino?" It's, it's in more people's shops. Same thing's going to happen with the CNC people will be able to create businesses off a of CNC and have nothing else in their shop. So, yeah. and then the, the price point of it, that's just natural evolution of the market, right? If there's three companies yeah. that yeah. are powerhouses, why do you think there's so many uh, CNC companies now that make four by eight or five by 10 CNC machines and offer them at a much lower cost? Cause they need yeah. to get their name out there. It's just, I can't rem I can't remember the, the name of this little thing. I've seen a couple ads for it in, in the last few weeks, but there's a, a CNC bot that has little wheels on it that you, you plop it down on a piece of plywood and I've seen that too. It, it navigates itself around the plywood. So to me, I think that that right there is a the future because to me, that looks like a very easy user end experience where, you know, the cost of entry is a sheet of plywood, which most people can manage on their own. They, they set that down in their driveway with some spoil board underneath it, and they upload a design to this little robot, and it does everything for them. That right there is how things become, well, maybe not mainstream, but like, you know, if you have something that, that, that is that simple that does a lot for you, you don't need a track saw, you don't need um, a miter station, you don't need a whole lot of other tools. This little robot can do a lot for you. And especially if it's like, Hey, buy our, our plans that are made for this little robot. And that's yeah. all you need. You only need to buy router bits or whatever it is that it, that it uses to cut. You know, that is something that I can definitely see on the shelves of Lowe's, Home Depot, Walmart and stuff like mm. that. I know the next um, big thing. What's that? Roomba random orbital sander. 
You guys want to hear a good one, Ben? You made me think of this about 10,000 jobs. Uh, we have a sales manager at Festool that went into a uh, union hall with the Plainex when it first came out. And the, the uh, union leader said, that is the most amazing machine I've ever seen. He goes, we don't want any. Because <laughs> it's going to take about 10 jobs he, away. He said to him, he pulled my buddy Danny aside. He goes, my job is jobs and hours, and that will reduce both. Yep. Yeah, don't ever come back here again. <laughs> it was, I went, oh, my God, that's beautiful. What a great story. Sorry, I went off on a tangent. <laughs> no, I, you know, I think that, and like, I look at our own behavior, you know, we, we think that it's going to, it's going to take less time, less money, but human nature tends to do is whenever something efficient comes out, instead of like saving, we just add more. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's not going to cost anything. It was just going to start adding to it. Oh, well, we can do so much more now in less time for less money. Let's do more of it, you know? So I don't think it's going to cost anything or, you know, take away from anything. But um, I, I, I agree with Jason that, that some type of CNC is the future just because of the automated simplicity of it. However, right now, it's, it's not there because there is a little bit of a barrier to entry with, you know, knowing vector software and programming and yeah, stuff like that. You're telling me. I'm still trying to learn it. <laughs> yep. G-code, you, baby. G-code. Yeah. Did you blow the dust off your CNC, Jason, before we started? Uh, no, I need to get the cobwebs off of it, though. Who's going next, me or, or Sedge? Go uh, for Jason, it. Jason, you're, you're going. All right, so this one is from also a patron, uh, Chad, over at, at Hickory Custom Builds on IG. Um, if you could go back and learn one thing earlier in your woodworking journey, mm. what would it be? Great question. And I actually want to kick it over to sedge first because i'm really interested to hear what he has to say wow huh i haven't given it much thought because okay we, we can w- kick it to ben <laughs> or i could try to go i think i have a pretty solid answer for yeah, myself. I, I need to th- i need to think so if i could th- this is kind of closely tied to one of the other questions we got unfortunately um mm-hmm. on the answer that i was going to give yep but if i had to pick something it would be to take a moment to step back. If I have a problem, take a moment to step back and really think about the different ways that I could go about approaching that yeah. problem. And the reason why that came to mind is because I think in the beginning, especially when you don't have the experience, you're immediately looking for an answer via YouTube or a forum or just the, you know, Google in general or the internet. Um, and it's this instantaneous, you know, gratification that we all live in now, right? We just want an answer now. And then we don't really research it. You just kind of move on. Now I find myself, you know, cause I don't, I, I realistically, I just don't watch a lot of YouTube unless it's friends videos and stuff, or it's something that has nothing to do with <laughs> woodworking. Um, but I really take an opportunity, like if I have an issue, I'm like, okay, this is the problem I'm having. What else do I have in my shop? And really think it through. Um, because that actually, I think it does two things. One, it gives you an opportunity to try another skill. Um, and two, to learn something, right? Um, or find what doesn't work. And I'm going to kind of leave it at that because I don't want to go too 
deep into one of the other questions that kind of relates to this. So that would be my answer, like taking the time to learn or to think about other ways to do something you're having a problem with. Cause I did not do that in the beginning. What's up, Sedge? Nothing. I was just, I, something came to mind on this and I think to answer this, it came to my brain what I would do uh, if I could learn one thing earlier in my woodworking career, uh, whether in my cabinet shop or now even. And I, I lecture people all the time when they say, hey, uh, should I buy this or should I buy this? Um, I tell people, or uh, this is what I learned. I have so much stuff that I have bought and, and I have rebought for my shop. Follow me? I should mm-hmm. have said, because I went for the less expensive alternative, this where I should have waited choice. maybe six months to a year to get it. And it would have been, I wasted time doing that. And that's the problem. Uh, I mean, I've tried different techniques where I should have purchased this. I've done it this way where I should have done it another way because I was lacking in the quality of a tool. I hope that came through clear. No, it does. I know exactly what you mean because I've totally been there. In other words, I've built a jig that has taken me four or five hours where I should have gone out and bought it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great point. I've, I've been there before, too. That's an awesome point. So. And, and now that jig hangs on the wall, and I only used it freaking once. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, That's a really great point. You know, I just wanted no, to. No, I like that one. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I really get to think about these questions because I want to I want to. It's kind of reflective in where I've been, and I hope people, you know, and then then after I'll think when I'm laying in bed tonight, oh, I should have said that as well, but hopefully that made sense to everybody. No, I, I think that's an awesome response to it. Uh, no, because, yeah, we've talked I mean, about that on tools. Like, you, you yeah. think, oh, I need this tool right now, or I think I have $10,000 to spend. I need to get all these things, when in reality, like, no, take a step back and think, like, what's really going to help you? It goes right along with that. Yeah. Um, and do you want to waste a bunch of time making something or when you could just buy it and have it forever? Time is money. 100%. You know, yeah. time is money. What's your time worth? Exactly. Don't get frustrated. Get the, wait a week or two, save some more coin, and go buy the right one. Yeah. I agree with that. Yep. Cool. I, w- I would say that that's, that's very close in line with what my response would be. If, and first of all, that's a really great question. That's, that's probably my most favorite question out of all the ones that we have. Um, so th- thanks, Chad, for another great question. If only um, he was a good at fantasy football as he is at questions. <laughs> Sorry, Chad, I had to do that. So, <clears throat> I, you know, really reaching back to all of our previous episodes – I think the one thing that um, looking back is, is again, just like what Sedge did, said is investing in, in great tools. You know, great doesn't always mean expensive. Um, it really depends on what mm-hmm. you're doing, what you're trying to make, which dictates, um, or uh, let, me, let me back up. Whatever your expectations are um, and wherever your skill level is at should dictate um, what kind of tools you purchase. I know that for me, my woodworking um, quality or my project quality didn't accelerate until I bought a track saw. 
for and that that's for me you know you know like i said whatever you're doing it could be different but for me when i purchased a track saw when i when, when i spent the money on it and i <clears> i remember when i bought my my ts75 that was the first high you know high quality item that i bought and like i remember sending a screenshot of it to jason or a picture of it to jason and i said um <laughs> it was like i i just started something really bad you know and he was and he was holding it and he was naked too it was a really weird Whoa! photo to send to me really awkward really awkward photo but um it's my screensaver so i i would say nice. if you're if you're if you're listening to this and you're in the very beginning of, of woodworking, um, I would try to, in the beginning, I would try to buy used tools or borrow tools at first. So that way you're, you're mm -hmm. not investing a lot up front. Good that point. way you can, get a, you can get a taste for it. You figure out what it is that you really like. Um, I mentioned it a few podcasts back. I tried turning. I didn't like it. I sold the tool. So try to, do, try to taste as much as you can up front with little investment. And then once you figure out what it is that you really want to make, invest in the tools that will allow you to make really great things in whatever that, that avenue is. Um, so again, going back into, into what Sajid said, in, invest in the tools that are going to make the most impact for you. Um, you know, just like Sedge, I mean, I can't tell you how many stupid cross-cutting sleds I made for my rigid... Yep. 4512 whatever it is the $500 contractor saw yep. um, and it is such compared to what I have now it's such a crappy saw that no crosscut slut could ever like make anything good you know that's right um, so I, I would say that invest wisely in the tools that will make uh, the, the biggest return on investment for that cost correct like it. Like thank it. you for the thank you for the question Chad yeah. And that's that's uh, it for all of our patrons that we're going to get to this time. So, again, if you want to get your question right at the very top of the key, come, become a patron. And we'd we'll, love to read your question on the air. Sedge, you're up next. Yeah, Sedge. <clears throat> okay, I am. i got to read this. This is from – and it, guys, excuse me on this one, whoever's listening. This is Don't from – at, um, this is on an Instagram account, uh, Nathaniel. It's not Nathaniel, but Net. Oh shoot, uh, Belagaze. Uh, N e t a n e l b l g a z i a i. And I liked this question because I do have a recommendation. It says I am looking to add a vice for my outfeed assembly table. Any recommendations? Well, I will say this. I, <laughs> I am always building vices. <laughs> uh, in fact, I may be buying a vice soon. I have a friend named Frank, and him and I are talking because he has several emirates. And, or mm. emirates. You guys know what I'm talking about? No, but it sounds fancy no the way you said it. I have and they no are, I've always wanted one uh, my entire life. They are a pattern-making pattern makers vice um and they're no longer made they're antique and I'm, i may actually design part of my uh my big um veritas uh, workbench to accommodate it so to get back to your question 
there's if you want to buy one on my assembly outfit table in my shop in Fort Lauderdale, I had a record quick release uh, vice with, and I made all kinds of jaws for them. Uh, they were wonderful, but when you look at a vice, make sure it's a quick release because you don't want to spend your whole day spinning and unspinning. Um, they they range, but when you go and uh, I'll always say this: <clears throat> when you look at them, there's like two versions. One's fifty dollars, and one's one hundred and fifty dollars on any of the on the uh, retailers online or uh, the stores. But the ones that are about a buck fifty, roughly, and they're on Amazon. Uh, they're quick release. It, you always have to do a build up underneath your bench or your work table. Uh, it's no biggie. It's just take your time doing it. Make sure you flip your your bench over to work it. Uh, there's always great instructions online. That's the beauty of YouTube. Now, there's a company out there that I've recently started using because I like to build. I just built a Moxon vise. To uh, that's what I like to use when I cut dovetails. And uh, is that I, what we I, used? We just used <laughs> that day. We just used the uh, my front vise on my Veritas bench, not the twin screw, but the regular vise. That and where we had that, Jason Ben, I'm going to replace it probably with the Emirate. Hopefully, eventually. Um, cool. um, uh, but <clears throat> the hardware you can get if you want to build a vise, it's worth every penny. It, and you should go to their website. They're called, and they're, probably everybody listening knows this. It's called Benchcrafted. They make some of the most unbelievable hardware for vices. And uh, I can't tell you how many vices over the years I've had <laughs> and I've uh, purchased and resold. But uh, there's, there's a lot of good brand names out there. Um, but that's what my but, recommendation would be. If you want to go buy one, buy one quick and mount it. Go get uh, a... Uh, a uh, quick release vice and you know you can get them in six inch seven inch ten inch so that's what i would mount if i was to mount something really quick to an assembly table and if you don't want to spend four five seven up to twelve hundred dollars on an emmer yeah i can go to the big box store and get a fifty dollar Irwin vice yeah that's, that's good enough for me I, I don't have anything for this one. I would just say buy a Vaxis, but that's not that's not a vice. Hey, that's good. That's, <laughs> that's what good. I have. I knew um, that. I, I as soon as I saw that question, I was like, oh, 100 percent. Sedge is going to answer this one. Oh yeah, you're darn right. You know, that's that's something that I have found when I uh, am around a really good woodworking instructor, teacher slash crafts craftsman, crafts person these days. This is you guys are gonna laugh at me. I I always watch how they hold their work. You know what are they? You know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah Ben. I see the what's twinkle a, in a, your eye. What's a what's a Here good? Here we grip, go again. You know? uh, yeah, we, <laughs> you guys get me ramped up on this stuff. As, as, you know what's really. <laughs> It's too easy with you. Like yeah. you, just, you know what? Did you hear it's this? Like you just you just open the door constantly, and me, Jason, like, well, I guess we're gonna walk into that one. Did you hear? As halfway through that thought, I watch how a crass person holds their work. I didn't say wood. Uh, I'm pretty sure he said peace. Kind of presents the same image in my head. God, you guys make me laugh. And I have, I always tell people, watch and listen. And, and really see how somebody works. And you will you will gain so much, as I say, power 
in your shop to do things because sometimes I was doing stuff really awkwardly and then all of a sudden I I, I spent a weekend with Garrett Hack uh, uh, in Fort Lauderdale this was about 20 years ago with uh, the South Florida Woodworkers Guild calling him out and uh, it was amazing he goes he asked me at the end of the three days he goes what'd you learn and I go how you use the hand plane because he says i heard you have quite a few hand planes and you know how to use them i go yeah but how you were using dogs on the bench to uh and how you were working it and how you were using hold downs and everything so there's a lot to it there's a lot to the right vice uh and i'm constantly building them i'm constantly tweaking them uh I, and and that goes with work benches i think there's a question that's similar to this uh, on here, <clears throat> and I'm looking around, and some I have I've built a few benches. Um, I've had this Veritas bench I bought in 2001, 2002, that I'm constantly tweaking and making things for it. But and right again, once again, I'm always upgrading or always organizing. Wait till you guys see the shop. I did a couple of things today. Uh, during a couple of breaks I had, and uh, I made something really, how do you say, stupid or quick, <laughs> and it turned out perfect because of our conversation, I think, in a couple podcasts about clutter, and I looked around my shop, and I saw all my offcuts, yeah. and I just, I'm always tweaking, so I bought those lumber racks, yeah. and <clears throat> I made a small uh, cabinet or storage area and rearranged that corner. So I have less clutter, and I had five places around my shop that had small offcuts that I just couldn't throw away. But now I have them organized. Well, that's gonna have to wait until next weekend, buddy, because this weekend, woo, it's Leo's birthday. It's Leo's working weekend, baby. I'm yeah. bouncy house time. Yeah. Oh. God, he's gonna be so. It's gonna be cold though. Oof. Ooh. That's they, right. It, We're gonna sit in the shop, drink beer, and watch the kids bounce, whatever it is that <laughs> kids do. Mary Ann's Watch already kids. saying, you can't go in the bouncy house. Oh, you don't know, Yes, man. you can. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can. I can? Of course you can. It's a huge bouncy house. It's going to hold you. Yeah, baby. Yeah. She can't hold you down. <laughs> anyway, who's... Ben, do you have the next one? I do. Is it back to um, you already? It is. Nice. I need um, to see what my next one is. So this next one comes from Instagram at Wilcox underscore woodworking underscore. And he or she or it asks, uh, how do you guys go about pricing custom work for clients? Um, and when I first read this, I just read it as how do you price work period, but uh, it can be a little bit different for clients. Um, Let's try not to I go too deep into this because we could talk about this yeah, for a long time, I think. We, we, we could, we could. So. Um, my very basic and easy answer is what is your time worth? Um, if you are going to do a project, it's very easy to get uh, green eyes and, and, you know, see like a dollar amount and say, oh, wow, that's, that's really great, um, to get this much. But if it's not really worth your time, then you're asking the wrong price. Um, you know, Jason has a really good video and that's probably going to be my answer is to go watch his video. It's a very early video, so it's like really terrible quality. Of course, but, <laughs> like all like all my but, videos. <laughs> um, but he he has a really uh, simple formula that you can utilize. Um, but at the end of the day, 
there are two prices that you have to worry about <clears throat> the price that it's actually going to take you to make it and then the market price and the market price is always going to win it doesn't matter you know what you're making how long it takes you to make it what it's made of if the market says that this is the price then guess what that's the price that people are willing to pay so you have to find the balance between what the market says and what your time is worth jason take it away so uh, i'll agree with that to an extent i think early on that's a really really good point because you're going to struggle with people who are basing it off the market price for what they think is a similar product but it's not so those aren't the clients you want in the long run. So um, if you watch my video, it's a very basic formula, but it doesn't include like if you wanted to actually make an additional profit on top of other things. And what I mean by that is my formula was pretty basic. I took the materials, I'd add, you know, 10, 15, 20%, just depends um, to the materials. And there would always be a, at least a 10% overage when it came to wood. That's just to cover any screw ups that you do or, or to make sure you have enough wood because of defects or whatever. Uh, and that's, that's all your big materials. Um, I had what's called a shop fee and the shop fee and, uh, covered consumables like glue, screws, that kind of stuff. And typically that would be around the 10 to, uh, 10 to 15%. If I remember correctly, it was a 10% charge of the materials cost. And believe it or not, that actually came out to about, uh, because of the scale of the project, the bigger the project, the more materials you're going to use, the smaller the project, the smaller materials you're going to use. Um, and then I would just say, I you know, I think this is going to take X amount of hours and I would charge whatever my hourly rate was. And early on, that's what I did. What I mean by adding a profit um, is, you know, your, your hours of labor is not your profit. That is the hours that you are getting paid for your work on the profit that you want to make on top of that is something totally different. But that's another conversation. So I think if you're asking that question, you're probably in the early stages. Uh, so I would just tell you to focus on those things. And that's where what is your time worth comes into play. What I would caution you on is if you're somebody that's starting out and you take a job and you use that formula and it's the first time you've built something and you're not, you're not as fast, you don't have systems in place, what isn't necessarily the right answer, and this is where the balance comes into play, let's say it, at this moment it's going to take you 40 hours to build that table as where it would take me 20 hours to build the table, right, as an example, and you want to charge you think your time is $50 an hour, but it's taking you 40 hours to build a table that somebody else, I don't know if you guys can kind of see where I'm going with this. The client shouldn't necessarily have to pay for your inexperience. So if it's taking you longer to build a project because you're not as experienced with it, you need to take that into consideration on your hourly rate as well. Um, yeah. So that would be my, that would be my quick down and dirty advice um, materials you know, something to cover your consumables, also an overage on your materials, and then your time. And put those things together and give it to the client. If they don't like it, they're not the right client for you. Yeah, great yeah. point, great point. Said you got anything to add to that? Yeah, that's a great formula, Jason. Um, I, I'm, I'm just like, I'm trying to remember, this, but I like will. This is, this is something that I think needs to be like an entire episode because we could all go into it because we all have experience in this but well Sedge, I, I would like to dive into that because like i'm i'm excited to hear what sedge says because i think he i, I don't think i know with 100 percent certainty when it comes to this Sedge, you have the most experience on the larger scale oh. uh for this so this is the touchiest subject for me because i had somebody come up to me early on and i was uh i wasn't full-time uh in the kitchen industry 
And he asked me, hey, you want to bid on this? And I looked at him, I go, do I look hungry? And I go, are you looking for the lowest bid? Because I had, I had heard that this GC was really, really cheap. And I, and I said, listen, my time's worth money, and I'll probably be the most expensive bid. So I, I got to be very careful with this. I, I really don't like questions like this because of what you said about experience, Jason, uh, about people looking for a deal and finding the right clients. It's a tough tough thing but here's what i'll tell you it takes time the more you exactly it's experience to understand what your time's worth mikey and i i would look at him sometimes he goes hey this will be a good learning experience i go mikey it's taking time away from denise which is his wife it's taking time away from marianne we both had children and i go our time is worth a lot of money and yes you'll hear pros saying yep something went wrong and it happens, and I'm under. I'm not making any money on this. Let's get this installed and get going. Because your experience, it, it, I really liked it. I think it was you, Jason, who said you, you're, <clears throat> you may not build it fast enough. You may not have your uh, systems in place. But it is a, we had to turn a profit. We had, to, we had overhead. And I can lament on this. So... I would hate it when someone say, just give me a quick price. And hmm. the going price 20 years ago in Fort Lauderdale or 15 years ago was, uh, it depends if it was just a straight kitchen, not high ceilings, it was $1,000 a linear foot. Okay? And people would freak out. Like, oh, my God. And then they would, you, then you understand who your client is. But that's not, and I would say, that's just the base price. I'm going to give you a full quote. And people don't understand, like, when you're quoting out hardware, they think that's knobs and pulls. No. Yeah. And, the, and they think and soft clothes is a couple of bucks. And they think you – so what I'm getting at is this. In a nice way, you educate the customer. And the more you educate the customer, the more you have that customer praising you to other customers, word of mouth. Yeah. So I would say that's where it really gouge, changes. do not gouge people. You know your craft, or you're gaining your craft. You know what to. Um, hopefully, this is making sense because I feel like I'm rambling. No, it it does because, uh, again, I think that that brings a lot of value to the conversation because you have that experience and you hit on how it takes time to do that. Like somebody that's bidding their first few jobs to build a portfolio to sh get more clients later on and fight those find those right customers, you might take a cut. Right. Jason Hibbs did a, uh, he talked about in one of his YouTube videos, like how he got started. And I think this is a great idea. You know, find you 10 mean, friends. You mean Jason Hobbs, right? Yeah. Jason Hobbs. <laughs> yeah. He call, always calls me Jason Bentz, B-E-N-T-S. <laughs> um, a lot of people do, mm -hmm. but he had this great, uh, great thing that he did in the beginning. He was, found 10 people and was like, Hey, pitch me a project and I'll build it for the cost of the materials only. And he was able to build a portfolio. I think that's a great idea. Are you making any money off yeah. that in the beginning? No, but in the long run, now you have 10 pieces in people's homes. And once you find the right customer, you can start charging the right amount and it's not as big of a deal. They're not going to scoff at the person that scoffs at a, you know, I'm going to build this table. It's going to be a thousand bucks. Well, I could go to target and buy it for 500. Go ahead. All right. That, that's a later. different client than the person yeah. who, when Sedge says, 
starts at a thousand dollars a linear foot and they're like, okay, I'm listening. Let's talk. Yeah. Big yeah. difference. Yeah. They're, they're, and those people are out there. You just, yeah. it's very typical that you're not brushing shoulders with them. Yeah. Yeah. You get it. It's you know. all about, I'll tell anybody who's listening. It's about the right qualifying questions for your client. Now, yeah. when it comes to friends and family, that's more difficult. It mm-hmm. really is. If you, and I really like what you said about, you know, hey, I'll do it for materials and you build a portfolio. That's great. But then you learn, you know, what the, how long it actually took you to build that. Yeah. yeah. And then you get a charge for your hourly rate. And back then in Fort Lauderdale, I think I was charging, I think, uh, and it was per person, 75 bucks an hour. That was, yeah. you know, and I knew my, but, but then I would, then there's sometimes I would double that. Yeah. It's just it depended on the client, and the, and you also got to remember, if you have the right clients, you know what's going to happen at the end. They're going to ask for extras. Yeah. So the, one of the things I'll tell you is we had a we had a policy, and I'm trying to remember it about payments. Thirty, 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 and ten. And ten was our gravy. We already had made our money. Where we would do thirty uh, percent out front to get started, get you in the get you in the mix. Thirty uh, percent when uh, th- th- that was the schedule and get materials ordered. Thirty percent halfway through, and we requested that you would come to the uh, shop uh, to see progress halfway through. Thirty percent when we brought it into the garage. <laughs> okay. By the way. Our profit, our money was made, and then ten percent after install if we were installing, because you know that was the gravy money. So it was thirty, 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 and ten. Do you get stuck? Yes, you got to be very careful. You got to be very careful. Custom works a different thing, and I've done quite a bit of that. Um, God, this is a a whole nother topic, and I really. Yeah. By the way, I don't like this question because it's tough. It no, is. yeah, I, I get it's it. It's really it, hard. It, you could go so many different ways. It reminds me, I, I think I have an article on my website as well talking about uh, pricing early on. And I think I even reference um, that that procedure that, that uh, Jason Hobbs <laughs> went through. Um, <laughs> one thing I do want to add to this, and then we'll move on to the next question, is uh, a very simple way, uh, something you should do always right off the bat. Very first question you should ask your client. Very first question. What is your budget? Period. Yeah, oh, yeah. And oh, that will yeah. let you know right away. And I yeah. struggled with that for a long time because I was like, that's like going to a car dealership and they say, how much are you looking to spend? And then they're going to give you the car that costs exactly what your budget is. So just ask it. Ask it right off the bat. That, and and that, that will tell you, you know, yes going, or no. Going back to what Sedge was saying about qualifying questions, that should be one of the first questions that you ask. Because mm-hmm. if you say, what's your budget and you know what it is, right off the bat, you're like, well, Go find somebody else yep. or, or like, I, I can't, I can't do that. I'm sorry. Like Jen, uh, when I made her door, she was like, Oh babe, you know, the, her condo is still a year old or less than a year old. So she's always getting inspections done because you know, everything's moving and they got to patch things up. And she was like, Oh, I, t- I told the general manager that you made my door. And if anybody else wants one that, you know, they could recommend you. And she was like, you know, I, how much do you think you would charge? She was like, you know, five, six hundred dollars. I was like, babe, no. Like I would start at fifteen hundred dollars. And that's like that's just for my time. And so, you know, like like I said, you, you, you have to what's your time worth? And then 
the last thing, and I'll leave it like this, is you got to think about what stain are you going to have for your walnut? You know? Right. <laughs> like, it's a big question. Or what paint color? Well, yeah. Or, like, are you going to oil it? Are you going to latex your walnut? You know, like, these are all really big questions you got to ask yourself. And you got to ask the client. You know, because, I mean, I have, I have a piece of walnut that I'm looking at. And, I mean, it, it was pine, but we stained it walnut. That's where walnut comes from. You know? Yeah. All right. So my next one, trying to determine which one to – I'm going to – this goes along kind of with what I did on the last one. And this is an uh, Instagram question from at CJ Woodgrain. And his question, this, this should be a, a pretty easy one for us to answer fairly quickly. But what's the best thing that you did to hone your craft? Um, very simple answer for me, and I'm a big proponent of this. Uh, trying new things, period. Do the projects that you're uncomfortable with and try things that you're uncomfortable with. And then screw up. Like fail miserably. Um, and that is the best way to hone your craft because the best way to learn, in my opinion, is from making mistakes. And so um, I would do things that I was uncomfortable with. I would take every job, whether I've done it before or not. And at the end of the day, when I was doing client work, if I screwed it up, it's on me, right? I'm not gonna go back to the client and say, oh, I took this on, I didn't know what I was doing and I screwed it up, it's on me. So by making those mistakes, it helped me get better. And I still try to continue to do that. And that's why I try to close out every video and say, you know, get in the shop, try something new. And that's going to be the way that you learn instead of just sticking to the one thing that makes you comfortable, branch out and do things and make mistakes and uh, making mistakes. You're going to learn very quickly. Sedge. <clears throat> Find a mentor, <clears throat> focus and listen. That's my answer to that question. Focus, 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 stay at it. <clears throat> I was extremely blessed to have found a mentor. I don't even think he knows that he was my mentor. It I mean, was, I know. Uh, it, stop it. It ain't you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Wow. Ben, thank you for being there for me. Yeah. Anytime, Soto. <laughs> <laughs> his, name, his name is Ralph Jackson. And anytime I had a question, he was there. And he's probably, if he, he probably will never listen to this, but he, what a great guy. He, I mean, he's very famous in the finishing industry. I mean, when Bob Flexner was in town teaching at Constantine's in Fort Lauderdale, he would come over to chat with Ralph. And that's the guy who wrote the Bible on understanding wood finish. I mean, Ralph is taught by the Smithsonian, uh, went to class there, and brilliant. So find a mentor, and I'll tell everybody, uh, watch what they do and listen to them. And that's how I honed my craft because I I learned from just about everybody. And just listen, watch. It's easy today. Find the right people on YouTube and listen to what they're saying and watch. And yeah, there's a hundred ways to skin the cat, but focus and just get in the shop. And Jason, I loved what you said. Make mistakes and learn from them. No. Make mistakes. Do not get frustrated. You're going to get frustrated, but keep at it. Stay focused. Find the right mentor. Mentor. That's all I got. Ben? I, I would say um, that experience is far more um, important than education, especially when it comes to a tradescraft like woodworking. So 
I, I because I'm, I'm I'm into marketing. I look at a lot of Facebook groups, a lot of Instagram communities. I'm I'm in all of these different places, and that the one thing that I continue to see with people that are frustrated, um, or that are like lost or not motivated, is they watch more than what they like. They look at others more than what they do themselves, and so you you have to get experience. You have to keep trying. Repetition is the mother of all skill. You know. You, you pick one thing that you want to learn, just how Jason says, always try something new. Try that one thing new, and if it, if it interests you, keep doing it until you master it. And then once you master it, you can do it with your eyes closed or with your hands behind your back. Keep, keep, um, keep going at it, and then pick something else new to try. The Green master Suitors it. podcast does not advocate cutting on a table saw with your eyes closed and hands behind your back. Unless you have a soft stop. I would I would really want to see that happen, so make sure you record it. <laughs> um but no, like it, you know, and it kinda echoes what both of y'all are saying is is just experience is so much more important than trying to gather knowledge. You can get really lost in YouTube, especially in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Learning new things or seeing new things or like dovetails and finger joints and all this other stuff and it doesn't really mean anything for you to sit there and watch YouTube all day long if you don't go out in your shop and try something. Yep. So pick pick something new that excites you and then go and try it because that's what I did. And just like Jason, I would I tried so many different things. I tried scrolling, I tried uh lathes, I tried this, I tried that. And like I I now now know that I don't like any of those things and I just do what I love. And I, I try to just really focus and and, and kind of hanker down on those particular things. So, you know, just like Jason's corny tagline says, "Get out in the shop and try something new." Like, you have to keep trying I hate something. You. you have to keep you have to keep doing it. You're just mad because you didn't think of it. <clears throat> That's not corny. It's correct. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mister Sedgley. Let's hear okay. what you got. All right. So I am going to pick this one again. I, uh, this, this could be simple. It could be difficult, but I'm going to go with simple. This is from Michael from, uh, Lido's Woodshop. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that cool, uh, firefighter guy. Hey, how you doing brother? And it says best practices of keeping tools dialed in, uh, miter saw, joint, a table saw, et cetera. Um, <laughs> uh, get a good square get a good uh, micrometer, I mean, um, uh, di- uh, a good digital vernier caliper, get good measuring and referencing tools and understanding what part needs to be referenced and what doesn't. And there, uh, I've seen videos recently where I'm going, whoo, when tuning up a table saw and what needs to be square to the blade from tip to tip is the miter slot, not the fence. I'll say it a hundred times. That should be kicked out at the very back, and the people are selling all kinds of fancy miter gauges and stuff like that. I mean, um, uh, dial uh, indicators and stuff like that, and I'm watching the video, and I'm like, someone's going to get hurt. Jason, you and I discussed it. That table saw fence needs to be kicked out like 128th at the back of the blade. Yeah, we talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, so there's a lot going on out there, and I just get yourself a good square, a good machinist square, understanding where your reference points and how to reference, like, 
on the deck of a, a Capex, it's the, the turret and it's to the blade. And don't make, sh make sure there's not a tooth in there to make sure it's at a 90. The other thing you got to remember about miter saws is, oh, I had a, a argument years, not an argument, a disagreement with a guy years ago up in New Hampshire. I'm not going to call out his name because he's an unbelievable craftsman. And no one will know his name uh, because he's just an old timer. So I told him, I go, listen, is your fence on your capex true? And he goes, I think that's the problem. I go, well, what about the straight edge you're using? He goes, I'm using a piece of maple that I just jointed. I go, is it jointed true? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, I said, Dougie, I'll be there next week to check it out. Save that piece of maple. <laughs> so when I get there, guess what it was? The piece Curve. of the, yeah, it, it was, it was off. It's probably hard maple. <laughs> we talked about that on the last episode. The last podcast. So Releases I'm, some I'm, tension. So make sure you you're, you have the right benchmarks that you're referencing on all your uh, surfaces. And a jointa is notorious. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I could tell you, there's a lot of times that people say my joint is out. And it's not the jointa. It's the technique of using the jointa. And there's a lot to it that people don't understand. You just think you got to whip that across there. Boy, there's a lot of shuffle through there. And you got to make sure your, your, your pressure is proper on your in-feed, then your out-feed, and constantly against your fence and making sure all that's squared up. So that, you know what? <laughs> I wish we could do uh, on this podcast, on the video for our patrons, we could do a... Uh, a shop tour in here and truing up a video or how to true up a table saw, how to true up a, a jointa or a, uh, a miter saw, you know, because there is so much to it. Sounds like know, good content for sedge tool. Yeah. You know what? I just, I was just thinking that that would be good content for sedge tool. Thank you. Yeah. That'd be cool. But don't get mad at me when I do one about jointing. No. Oh my God. Whatever. There's a lot of. I did we, a video, Sedge, on my process for joining and planing. Don't, don't copy me. <laughs> Stop. Don't see my thunder. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. Whatever. Okay. So that's my two cents. What about you, Jason? Um, I mean, I, we kind of hit on this before. I'm not like a super big stickler unless I see something wrong. So, uh, typically, when I find something wrong, it's because I did something wrong. Mm. Like, Capex is a good example. I've had to make sure that it was 90 a couple of times. And the reason was because I banged into it really hard with a piece of wood or something like that. And it, and it threw it out of square. So, um, for me, I, again, I'm not one of those people that comes out to the shop and I know none of us are. Um, and it's like, all right, I'm starting a new project. Let me go around the shop and make sure that everything is, is good. Like <laughs> I just grab a, a good square like Sedge does and you know, am I good? Yep. Cool. If I notice a problem, I fix it. Um, but it's not a problem until it's a problem. I, and I mean, that's just, that's just the way that I look at it. And uh, I don't get super wrapped around the axle. I don't know if that's a lot of help, but uh, again, I'm just not somebody that chases that absolute, you know, perfection. Um, I just, when I notice a problem, then I'll, I'll take the steps to, to correct it. Ben? Yeah. Uh, I take the same approach that, that we learned in the military is, um, you know, you, you zero your weapon once, uh, you, you shoot with it, you qualify, you know that your sights are set, and then unless something really 
bad happens to that weapon, there's no reason to go back and check your sights. Um, so unless I like accidentally drop a tool or something bumps into it, or I move something like my uh, Capex trimming attachments, I use them on my MFT3. If, if whenever I'm moving them back between two different tools, I always recalibrate them when I put it back on one of the tools. So yeah, just like you, Jason, like I'm not going around like, all right, well, it's time to start the next project, you know, time to pull up my trusty, you know, mm -hmm. square collection. No, unless I hit it, bump it, reset it, move it. That's the only time that I'm going to be checking it because otherwise it's just kind of a waste of time. Um, Good point. Yeah. Uh, so those, those are my, go ahead, Sedge. Oh, I'll just reiterate something. I do check my setting on my capex bevel and mita because i might have been using doing an angle and there's a lot of times i've walked up to my capex it's a degree off and i've made all my butt cuts and the piece doesn't come together so that, always i have just, had that happen yeah just eyeball it really quick just like whoop whoop bring it up to bevel whoop whoop make sure that miter's locked down at zero and how does it go whoop whoop boop, boop. okay just making sure I can't believe no, I like I talk that. like it's, that. No, it, it's funny that you. It's funny that you mentioned that because uh, the project that I was doing the five degree angles and stuff. It's such a small angle that you don't even notice, and then you get wrapped around, wrapped up, cu uh, cutting other things. And the worst is when you are making your final cuts. Uh huh. And that's when you notice that it has a five degree angle, and you're like, "Oh my god, what was I thinking?" You know. Yep. So um, that's a good point. Now on the other side of that, like if we ended up, you know, if I ended up making a, a, a cut and then moving it from five degrees to, to, you know, back to 90, I, I wouldn't check to make sure that my blade was 90. I would just verify on the, on the thing. But I uh, mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had that happen and it's so oh. frustrating. It's, it's the small ones that'll get you. It's not the big oh, ones. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I cut a bunch of rail and style stock and I was putting it together and I went, oopsie. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. This is all no good. Yep. Too cool. Are we doing a, are we doing a third one or are we doing two a piece? Um, no, I, I think that's, that's probably all we're going to have time for, for okay. this particular community episode. However, we're, we're going to kind of caveat one of the questions. And again, it's from Mike from uh Lidos woodshop and he asks, or he says, I vote for a monthly or a bi-monthly hangout chat for patrons, oh, good which point. is something that we're, we've already talked about, we've already discussed. Um, and so if you're a patron, I would expect something within the next week or two uh, as an announcement, or actually probably by the time this comes out, you'll have already known what's going to happen. But we want to do at least monthly hangouts um, with all of our patrons, and we just Except want to bring... Him. <laughs> he asked the question so he doesn't yeah. get invited those it's, boston yeah. firefighters oh, yeah, no he, way he basically invited himself yeah whatever <laughs> so if, if that's something that you would want to do come out and hang out with us in a zoom call once a month uh that's something that will be available for patrons uh soon or again as this podcast come out is already available with the schedule so um do you guys have anything else that you want to say directly to the community, given that this is a community episode? Um, yeah, I do. Like, we appreciate the questions. Uh, and again, we're, you know, we're, we're going to a weekly uh, setup now. Uh, so uh, I think we'll, you know, you'll start hearing a little bit more condensed 
episodes because obviously a two hours is hard to, to maintain every week. But um, if we didn't get to your question, we have all of them saved yes. um, in a Google shared document. So um, if at any point anybody has questions that they would like to have addressed on the podcast, do not hesitate to send it to me, Ben, or Sedge. And it's very easy for us to jump on there and put that on. And we basically just have a pool of questions. Um, and like we have enough right now that before the next episode, we, we probably won't even ask for questions just because if you're taking the time to submit a question, uh, you know, 90% of them are answerable. Some of them are, are, are kind of silly or, or things that we can't really touch, but uh, we will get to them. And we, questions. Yeah, or we, so we, we do appreciate it a lot. Excellent. Sedge, what do you got for everybody? I just want to thank you for uh, sending us questions because this is one of my favorite um, topics is, or how do you say? Episodes. Uh, episodes, right. One of my favorite episodes because it shows that you guys are interested in our input or output, as whatever. And uh, Mine just, and yours, not Ben's. <laughs> but it gets, it gets me jazzed because you've asked some really cool questions. By the way, all the questions are great. It's just some of them are difficult to answer, and I kind of like that. It pushes, it makes me look back at, oh, how did I do that? And I, it, it's a, they're fond memories. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, to everybody giving us these questions because it really, it, it it really jazzes me. So there you yeah. go. We love um, all questions except from Patrick from Leather by Dragonfly. Oh, this, for sure. He he usually asks questions that he knows that me and Ben are not going to be able to answer. <laughs> yeah, like, he's, like he's like he's trying to sharpshoot us or something. Like, Thanks. Hey, what do you what do you think about double bezels on a on a uh, chisel on a number ninety nine hundred and thirty two bench plane? Like whatever, Patrick. Just kidding. We love you. He was here this weekend. It was fantastic. Right, and he Michelle. Was. It was great. That's the great best time. part about really Patrick good. is Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, he's going to love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they they listen to every episode. They love it. And it's funny because he was telling me that um, he'll be listening to it with his headphones on and he'll react when we talk about him. And Michelle won't even have to hear it. She'll immediately know, like, what did they say this time? It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. We love you, brother. We love you, Michelle. Uh, you guys are unbelievable. Yeah, they are great. Big news coming on, uh, from, from them here very soon, which oh, hopefully yeah. I will be Good. able to... I've, I've, I've got a post well, from our last episode about that. Yeah, I'm gonna so. I'm gonna be sharing some of it. Uh, let's do the the Instagram account. So so everybody knows when we again when we do these episodes. It's I didn't all just get to say anything in the community, Jason. Yeah, you did. Oh, you guys you, just went and you just left me. You said the things to the community and then you asked if we had anything to say. No, I didn't. I that's, didn't. That's exactly what happened. I didn't happened. say what I wanted to say. Nobody cares. Hey, <laughs> you. I care. Um. We're not doing Get Bent on these episodes. However, moving forward, if any of us have negative comments, that will be included in Get Bent. I love that change because I cannot wait to hear for Sedge's negative comment and he does the voice. God, I hope that happens next episode. But I would like to go first because I was just giving Patrick a hard time and there's a reason why I would like to go first on my Instagram recommendation. Shoot. Are you guys okay with that? Yes. Yep. Um, hold on before I do that. Uh, Ed Mancini, 
who I sold my drum sander to, Army guy, he wanted me to say, he doesn't know I'm doing this on the podcast right now, but he said, tell Sedge and Ben I said hi. That's what the message was for, Ben. Woo. What up? What up? I, I was, <laughs> I sent a message to the group How chat. Group chat. Um, he was saying he's loving the podcast. And I said, well, we're doing episode 10 right now, actually. Okay, so my oh, recommendation. Now, now I get it. Now yeah, I get now it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. This, I met him, the individual I'm going to talk about at WorkbenchCon last year. Great dude. Um, his name is Ben Bartholomew. And his Instagram page, and you guys are, uh, Sedge, you're not going to believe that this is somebody that I'm recommending, just so you know, once you see his page. Oh, he must have hand tools. <laughs> oh, yeah. His, his uh, Instagram name is at Clean Cut Woodworks. And the reason why, uh, again, that's at Clean Cut Woodworks. The reason why I, I wanted to go first and share it is because the other thing that Ben is not going to believe, he's Marine Corps retired. And I know we give the Marine Corps a hard time, more, more specifically Patrick. Oh, it's well-deserved and earned. Yeah, well-deserved and earned. I don't know how what flavor crayons Ben likes, but... He was in the Marine Corps, so it's it's a it's guaranteed, right? Oh, way cool. This is a great channel. Oh my Any, god, yeah. this guy is good. I he was following me on Festival Sedge. I just followed him back, man. Yeah, he is. He's outstanding. We we hung out at WorkbenchCon. Really, really, really good dude. I actually hope he's there again next year. Um, matter of fact, when I first met him, he was talking about that he was in the Marines, and Patrick happened to be standing right next to me, and I was like, oh, Patrick's a Marine too. Or no, I, th I think I said Patrick was a Marine, and he looked at me and he said, I am a Marine. I'm always a Marine. <laughs> I know they're weird about that. So, um, But no, man, he, he does a lot of hand tool stuff, and he cuts a lot of hand-cut dovetails. And I mean, they're always perfect. But Did him I and love... Patrick just start barking at each other when they saw each other? Yeah, they just started yelling at each other. Taking back to the old days. Um but great guy. I mean, and he does phenomenal work. It's just incredible. Um, but yeah, super, super cool guy. Uh, minus, you know, being a Marine. But he just, he does amazing stuff. And, and I'll admit, like when I see him, he does, he cuts, does hand cut dovetails, like just absolutely mm -hmm. perfectly. And every time I, I always watch the, the process and, and how he goes through it. And he just makes it look so effortless. It's, it's like gross to me. You know, like I messed around with it at your shop, Sedge, you know, when Ben was down here and it, I look at that and I'm just like, and then I look at somebody like this and they cut these perfect ones that you think were cut on a machine. Uh, it, it, he's practice, just practice, practice, practice. Yeah. He's, he's very talented. He does beautiful work. Um, really beautiful work. And that's, that is my recommendation. Great channel to follow. Definitely go check it out. Clean cut woodworks. It's pretty cool looking. You gonna go, Ben? Yeah. So the the account that I want to recommend is um, Nick Padula, and his account is at Padula Studio. I hate you. Why? I almost did his tonight. Um, yeah. I have a I, list. I've been following him for for years. I have a list um, on my phone, and I keep it updated. And he's the other name that's on it right now. I mean, I, I think that most people can kind of see like the style that I like, which is. 
minimalist style or modern mid-century modern stuff like that I, I just like the sleek lines and stuff and you know i think jason probably likes him just because the guy's a, a walnut aficionado as well what's the but, name um, of the account Pad- padula. padula studio p-e-d-u-l-l-a studio p-e-d-u-l-a u-l-l-a yeah nick padula Yep. He's incredible. It's, uh, He's out of Australia. Australian, yeah. yeah. But um, he, he like one of his recent pieces as of this podcast. He's got a walnut with uh, copper mm. inlay. Oh yeah, um, look at that. And I mean, like, Sweet. it's so cool looking, man. Um, He's on. You know, I'm, I'm really, I, I I'm really jealous of people's ability to to design stuff like this. I wish that I could mm-hmm. design like that. You know, I'm, I'm still doing pocket holes on uh, tabletops. You know what I'm saying? Right. I just wish you could learn how to design in uh, SketchUp or Fusion, but that's another conversation. I, I, <laughs> I am tonight. But, uh, Nick, I, I, I've even when I had my old account, um, I, I really loved his stuff, and he's he's a really talented woodworker, and I encourage everybody to go to go check out his stuff. Sedge, what do you got this week? Okay. I have another Canadian. <laughs> and I'm this, starting to notice a pattern. No, I'm going to tell Sage. you what. I like the Canadians, eh? I met this See guy what I did there? once or twice. Yeah, you said hey. And, okay, so his account on Instagram is all one word, Black Walnut Studio. He does a lot of white oak. <laughs> okay, so his name is Steve. <laughs> Steve, don't even don't even try to pronounce it. Don't even try to pronounce it, Sedge. Okay. Der Garabedian. Der Garabedian. Okay. So I got I got to tell you, this guy's a hoot. He teaches a virtual show, but he also teaches at the woodworking shows uh, with Vic Teslin, who I called out. Okay. Oh yeah. This this guy is a hand tool aficionado, and uh, his veneer work is exceptional. He's and you'll see right here. It says it right here. Writer, teacher, photographer. I love it. Chief Sweepa Upa. He's just a great <laughs> dude. And you know what's really neat about his his accounts that he has is it shows he loves to teach people woodworking, and those are my kind of people because they're super genuine. And it just comes right through in their accounts. Give this guy a follow. And he's just, he's always smiling. So there you go, Steve. Black Walnut Studio. You're the man. Nice. Yep. Awesome. That's a good recommendation. Yep. Good dude. All right. Well, I I think that this probably concludes our 10th. Wow. Wow community episode of the green suitors podcast celebrate it's been 10 already that's fantastic it is. And it's going to be a lot quicker going forward too and there's something i need August. to talk there's something i need to talk to you guys about since we're here on the 10th episode is um i quit <laughs> good good you've really been dragging down this account oh something God. about the 10th episode of things and i just can't do it anymore Oh, Unless it's Ted Lasso, and I'll watch as many as there are. It's our, we'll, we'll get Jason Hobb to fill in. Jason Hobbs? <laughs> Jason yeah. Hobb, yeah. Jason Hobbs. Mm. Too yeah. cool, man. We're, Too cool, guys. 
for guys I'm listening. Sedge. I love chatting okay. with you guys. Go ahead, Jason. We're going to have a guest soon. Woo. Can I, awesome. Can I say, say his it. name right now? Say it. I know it is. Is it locked, is it locked in? Yes. Con- contractually, I, mean, I, well, I have to do it. I mean, I don't know how much I trust people from that podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like, so so I was going to talk to you guys about this, but when we start that podcast, as soon as, as soon as we clap, leave it to me. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I've got a plan. All right. Well, how, you know, I'm, I'm kind of miffed about that because it's my coffee, everybody. I listen to their podcast. I don't hear anybody saying anything about green. Just let me handle it. Just let me handle it. It's oh going to be great. God. We'll see. Oh my God. I can't wait. Good. It's going to be, it's going to be a great start to a show. It's going to be awesome. fantastic. Oh my There's God. There's going to be so much tension. You can just cut. it. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's going to be fantastic. And he's just like us, you know, a total clown, except not nearly yeah. as good looking as the three of us, but it is what it is. Woo! That's right. And I think we could probably argue who has the better beard in the industry. And he has hair too, doesn't he? No, he's bald, just like me and Jason. Oh, that's true. Or oh, weird. Actually. I'm going to be the odd man out. I mean, I've got a luscious, all that hair you got. Got a luscious head. Wow. <laughs> that is a lot. I can, see, I can see the American green lights in your head, Jason. Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah you can. <laughs> all right, got to close this out. Sedge, right. go ahead and take the next 20 minutes and tell us where we can find you. You can find me at Sedge Tool on YouTube. Any other questions? What? Yeah, wow. Okay. Jason, where can Also on Instagram. Yes. And TikTok. Yes. And, and TikTok, that's account. right. Shaking and his booty. Twitter. And Twitter. Tinder. Tinder. And, and Tinder. Yep. yep. And Snapchat. <laughs> Snapchat. Look, Sedge, Sedge only swipes. Sedge only swipes on Walnut, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Cherry. He only yes. swipes on cherry. Cherry, baby. We all know how much oh, he loves God. cherry. He has a romantic relationship with it. Feel the wood. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, where can everyone avoid you? Uh, <laughs> at Ben's Woodworking on Instagram, Ben's Woodworking on YouTube, and really the, the greatest thing is Ben'sWoodworking.com. If only somebody would get some more things on my website for people to see. But we're not going to talk about that tonight. Ben? <laughs> you can find me at Instagram and YouTube, Ben Marshall Designs, and my website, uh, MarshallDesignWorks.com. And if you want to be a patron, yes, www.patreon.com forward slash Green Suiters Podcast. Yeah, come on, freeloaders. Thank everyone. Yeah, thank everyone so much for your time, your love, comments, concerns, complaints, all that stuff. We're so happy to have this podcast and broadcasting it out to all of you. Ooh, one more thing. Um, we talked about Guy Dunlap. Yep. Mm-hmm. A couple episodes ago, he actually, episode. yeah, he actually wrote me a message today, and he's doing much better. Good. Um, good he listened good. to the he listened to that podcast episode, um, and really liked it. But he just wanted he wanted to say thank you, and he's he's doing a lot better now. So oh, he actually God. got out in the shop today for the first time in a while. Wow. I'm glad to glad to hear you're doing better, guy. Yeah. yeah. Glad to hear it, guy. So, anyways, cool. that's it. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you guys in episode 50. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.
Hey, this has been co-host and editor of the Green Suiters Podcast. This episode is over, but if you want to hear more topics like this and you want to be a part of our conversation, head over to patreon.com forward slash Green Suiters Podcast for early access to each show. If you're listening to this on free feeds, be sure to leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.